Hello and welcome back to the Thinking Wealth podcast, your dynamic investment hub. Right, this is part two of the property investment part of uh, our third podcast, I think it was. I think so. This is like the uh, introductory podcast, really, in it, for That's what it. we're putting across here. And this is part two of the property investment one. We did half an hour yesterday. Check that out if you haven't seen it already. YouTube or podcast. And this is going to be part two. Right then, where should we start then, Mike? Uh, I think possibly, or potentially, I was going to say, let's start with mindset. Well, what do you reckon? I think we did touch on it yesterday, didn't we? Um, a little bit about the mindset and how property itself, investing itself, can be uh, mentally a challenge. It's a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it, to use that horrible term? Uh, there's plenty of ups and downs. It's not for the faint-hearted. Mm. Um, so yeah, let's delve into mindset. It's a very complex thing because there's a lot of rubbish <laughs> as well in that whole. You know, uh, it's a part of selling the dream, isn't it? it as well, is. I think that whole it definitely is scene. Yeah, and you can get lost in it all and. Uh, like you can go on Tony Robbins events and all that stuff and the vast majority of it is absolute nonsense to be fair but it's mainly serves over- a purpose though doesn't it it does but it's overcoming your own beliefs that you've got about yourself and about what you can and can't achieve mm. whether you're worthy or not yeah whether you you think you're good enough and what conditioning the mind has had as you've been growing up you know whether you grow up in like a let's say traditionally working class backgrounds you have a different way of seeing the world and seeing money than if you've grown up in a let's say a wealthy or or more upper class background you generally don't have the same obstacles to overcome and that's just the way sort of society presents itself isn't it it's just, it, all of it is a state of being, a state of mind, everything that we do in life. But when we're talking about property and, and investing in general, yeah, everything can be done. There's nothing that cannot be done. It's just you. Yeah, well, that's one of my mottoes, isn't it? Like I always say, if somebody's done something, achieved something, that's proof that you can then go and do it. Definitely. Because if somebody's done that, then it's obviously proved that it's been possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I suppose that in itself is a frame of mind and mindset. Um, so yeah, how, how do we how do we delve into this then, Al? With Personal development, mindset. What else can we talk about here? Um, God, because you know when something's so broad that you can't really pick something because there's that much you can pick. It's something. Try and get. Let's give it a property context then. A scenario. That's a good. That's a good idea. Why don't we go through? your sort of most turbulent um, property experience? Uh, there must have been a few, kid. What's the most turbulent property experience? That's a difficult question. I've always avoided um, things that I know I'm not very good at. I always put other people Boys. and pay people well in order to do that for me. So. I always try and control in a business context uh, what I'm good at and then I sort of pass on the rest. 
So I'm, I'm generally speaking, I'm a trader with property. I prefer to buy and sell things and then only hold on to good stuff, like good commercial property or something. Um, so the worst things for me uh, in my past is when I've had to deal with bad builders and I bought a building just in the middle of Dudley, a little end terrace and it, the development, the refurbishment should have been done within three months tops and it took 18 months because I had to get through two, uh, three lots of builders before I actually got the thing complete. It should have cost me maximum 10 grand and it cost me 18. So that's probably the worst that's not that bad. No, though, that's really. what I'm saying because I generally speaking, I pass it all over to people and pay people. I could have probably saved myself thousands. Well, I could have done. This and is uh, this is crossing over into another property buzzword here. What? Your power team. Yeah, that's another buzz. If you get into the industry, that's everywhere, and a good power team. But you know, we're taking the mic a little bit. But it's right again. You know, we take the mic, but. Like a few of the things that we were saying yesterday, like legitimate strategies, but they're followed by these buzzwords that you hear all the time. Mm. A power team is essential, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Like you just say, you, you, you sort of keep and do the stuff that you're good at and that you can add value to mm-hmm. better than others. And then you outsource the rest. That's outsource it. the rest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, financing's another big one. You can have the pull, uh, the rug pulled underneath your feet right at the last minute. That was, I've had a lot Con- of stress from that. Like a deal should have completed within a couple of weeks and the funder had pulled the plug on it so I had to raise the money elsewhere. But once again, different personalities deal with stress different, don't they? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I might have a quick burst of stress for like an hour and then the stress is out. Yeah. And then I'll just arrange everything to make sure it doesn't take over my life flow. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could argue, tell me if I'm wrong, but you could argue that your experiences, not just in property, but business in general, have got you into this current frame of mind that you're now sort of um, working, mm. which now allows you not to get um, het up, angst, uh, worried, mm. getting yourself into a poor mindset where things can start to unravel quite quickly. Mm. Yeah, but that's a mindset thing again. And so where do you, where's your own boundaries and where's your own barriers that you put up so that? You know, what do you value most? If you value your family more than you value your business, then you shouldn't let your business affect you more than, you know, anything that's going to pull you away from your family, for example. If you truly valued your family over your business, you'd, you'd spend more time with your family than your business, wouldn't you? Yeah. Very often people's actions are different to what they think, you know, they value most. And if you don't have those boundaries around you and you know what you, you want out of life, then... You can be dragged from pillar to post. Should we have a joke about the 4am club? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, just a big... Well, you talk about that, it's just... This is nonsense, isn't it? If you yeah. get up at 4am, basically, you're going to be more successful than people who get up at 6. But I suppose it's all about quality of work, isn't it? Of course, yeah. And efficiency, as ever, in any, in any walk of life, no matter what you do. Yeah. Efficiency. Yeah. If you get up at six, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock and you do four or five hours of solid, intense, focused work, you'll get more done than 10, 15 hours of non-focused yeah. work. We spoke, didn't we, last week? I, I turned to you, didn't I? And I said, I think I've found my sort of point in the day where I work my most efficiently and at my best, mm-hmm. which is, at the moment, anyway, is between 10pm and 12 at early hours of the morning. 
where things have quietened down and mm. I'm able to focus. Mm. So yeah, ten at twelve at night. You mean? Sorry, yeah. Did I say morning? Sorry, yeah. ten at ten, yeah, at, ten yeah. at night till obviously the early hours of the morning. Mm. That's where I found myself working at my best, most efficient. I think that's because you unconsciously know myself. that everyone's gone to yeah, sleep. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And you're not going to be stressed because everyone's the world's gone to sleep. Yeah, I suppose we're all guilty as well of. Uh, there's so much distraction about these days as mm. well, isn't it? We're all guilty of probably looking at our phone more, and it's, you know, far more times than we need to throughout the day. Definitely. Mm. And like you say, things have quietened down by that point. So, yeah, maybe that's the reason, the big reason why. Mm. Right. That's, I suppose, that's touching on mindset. I think, again, um, this is quite a popular area, isn't it? I would have thought there'll be modules done on this. Yeah, definitely. Um all of this is a state of mind, the whole thing. Like, the, 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 the strategies and everything is... You can pick those up. You can learn it, can't you? Yeah. It's what you... The barriers that you put in front of yourself... Mm. They're all self-inflicted. None of them are real. You want to go deep, deep, deep into all this, check out my other YouTube channel, completely free. I don't sell anything or whatever. Just go and check out my other YouTube channel. The stuff about, like, avoiding anxiety and all that type of stuff on there. But all of this is a state of mind... It's a state of who you believe yourself to be because if you believe yourself to be a certain way, you sort of show up in the world as that energy, if you like. So, you know, check it. There's loads of people out there. There's umpteen people out there who will... Uh, you can go for personal development and make yourself a, a perceived better person. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about... Um, let's do more of the power team because you mentioned it so when, when we say power team we're talking solicitors finance brokers builders um, property sources so people who can find your deals architects agents that's sales agents and letting agents so they're generally what a power team it's like who you have around you your network in order to make your business or your investment life a success I suppose uh, thinking wealth could be seen as a part of your power team as well, if you if you want to put it that way, because they're going to be around yeah. you and able to... Uh, and the people within the community, of course, mm -hmm. as well, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so what, yeah. Sh what should we touch on here then, mate? I mean, solicitors are always a good one. Mm, they get bashed, don't they? And I think... Um, but they do deserve that a lot of the time. They do, but I think also... You've touched on it earlier on in the video about outsourcing stuff that you can't do. Well, you can outsource, obviously, the the legal side of buying a house, for example, to, to any solicitor. Um, but you can pay a bit more and get a better service as well. So I suppose what I'm trying to get to is you get what you pay for, don't you, to use that common phrase. And um, if you're in an answer within an hour from a solicitor, you're going to be paying thousands of pounds. Well, this is it. That's what I suppose. That's what I'm trying to get to. Is you get what you pay for with a solicitor. You can you can pay. You know, instead of pay, paying on average, I'm guessing around a thousand pound to buy or sell a house, you can pay three thousand, five thousand, get it done a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. But you need to understand that you pay cheap and you get cheap services. Well, this the way is it. it is. Yeah. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Simple as that. Same, same with anything. Same with anything, yeah. Brokers, builders. I mean, brokers can be worth the weight in gold, can't they? Mm. 
they can save you a fortune. It's not all about interest rates either. No. So people look at loans and they think we uh, the cheapest interest rate's the best loan. That's just not the case. No. You've got uh, fees, intro- introduction fees, exit yeah. fees. Um, is it fixed? Is it variable? And you have all these, um, you know, different variables in loan terms and... I'd happily pay more fee to a broker if they get me the loan that suits the transaction. If I knew I was going to sell it within the first two years, I wouldn't be getting something with a an exit fee within two years. <laughs> Just co- common sense. But if you have an interest rate that's two points lower, you still might end up saving another, I don't know, it depends on the size of the loan, another 10, 15 grand, maybe more, maybe less, because of the lack of exit fee in the loan. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's one example. Mm-hmm. Builders, well, that's a that's a big subject. That's that's my background, really, mm-hmm. in terms of my surveying background. Again, you really do get what you pay for for uh, uh, with with this uh, with this side of things. Mm-hmm. You see, you see posts all the time. I saw something the other day. I think it was yesterday. No context to this question whatsoever. Is my £3,000 quote for fitting a kitchen and bathroom a reasonable price? I mean, what a ridiculous yeah, question you that can't, is. you can't answer it. No idea on where in the country it is. Stating the obvious, but it's going to cost a lot more in the middle of London than what it is in Dudley. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, no idea on specification. No idea on the size of anything. Um... So, yeah, I think, again, with this, you want to try and find somebody that you can trust, uh, somebody that you've maybe worked with before, somebody that you know will put out good quality work because that's, that's, well, goes without saying, that's essential. Um, Agents. So we're talking about, obviously, sales and lettings there, aren't we? Um, Again... They're all a much of a muchness these days, aren't they? Sales agencies. You've got the online agencies that have become more and more popular over recent times. Um, have you had any anything specific that you want to talk about with agents, Al? Uh, well, I think most people go to sales agents to find like good deals, whereas if you, if you use your noggin, you've got a lot of landlords who are with letting agents, so you can find a lot of deals from... Uh, letting agents if you can build a relationship with them so rather than going to sales agents who everyone goes to if you go to letting agents who've got a huge database of landlords and just say have you got any landlords looking to offload anything mm. you can pick up decent deals on there a lot of landlords don't forget are a lot of accidental landlords they don't want some of them don't even want the properties they've been giving them through I don't know passed down or yeah whatever um, yeah Maybe they bought one a few years ago and they've had enough of it or something. There's quite a lot out there like that. So you can buy good deals from agents. Brown envelopes work, whether people like to admit it or not. They, you know, they say, oh, you know, it's immoral, whatever. We're not talking about morality here. We're talking about, we were talking about business and what works. Um, if you build relationships with agents, 500 quid helps. It's as simple as that. We're um, kidding ourselves if we said anything different. Exactly, we're we, just telling know? the truth. We're not, we're not here to, uh, you know, pretend these things don't happen. They most certainly do. Um, also, like, just you know, build relationships. If it's a woman, uh, buy her flowers or something. If you do a deal with them, and be 
biscuits and all that stuff. It all works. I mean, I don't, generally speaking, don't deal with many agents anymore, but um, unless they're commercial agents, but normal estate agents usually don't have that much to do with them anymore unless I'm selling. How about you? Yeah, I think I think that pretty much covers it, mate. I mean, I, we spoke about HMOs, didn't we, a little bit yesterday. Um, obviously, there's all different ways you can get involved in property, and some, some do go down the route of even creating their own agency, don't they? Mm-hmm. And there is definitely a gap in the market for good quality um, lettings agencies that look after HMOs. Because yep. they're very few and far between, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Because of the amount, I think, basically the amount of work involved in looking after one. A hell of a lot different to looking after a single let. Certainly. With a small family in it. Yep. yep. Who generally speaking don't cause you any problems whatsoever. If you're going into commercial property as well, a good a good um, letting agent is excellent because they get the best fees. tenants and... From business perspective as well. Mm, definitely. The fees that they generate. Oh, good, yeah. And the fortunes. Mm-hmm. Okay, sources... I suppose this is one of the ways you just find uh, a little bit cro- crossover a little bit there, haven't we, with what we've said? Mm-hmm. Um, with the letting agencies, tired landlords, that's maybe a little avenue in of attracting potential property deals. Yeah, and then you've got sources who are doing it directly directly for you. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of rubbish out there again that, that you've got to be careful of with sources. They go on these courses, and there's a lot of people who just go on right move now and then send the deal out to like a database and expect people to be paying two or three grand for a fee just for a property that's on right move that's insane isn't it yeah it must work they must do I don't know if they send out 50 50 uh, deals they must get one out of the line which makes it worthwhile doing yeah yeah I suppose I think this crosses over back to mindset again here and personal development and Responsibility, I suppose. You know, it's all well and good these people passing a supposed deal onto you, but it is obviously your responsibility to do the due diligence on it, mm-hmm. and it's only going to land on your head, so to speak. If if the deal, the supposed deal, doesn't pan out how how you were promised it would do, mm. I think that's very important to to point out because, like you say, there is a lot of those people out there uh, selling rubbish, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to slow down with the more people that are getting into property. That's not going to slow down. So keep your guard up with stuff like that. Well, it's something you can start as well, isn't it? With basically, I suppose you could maybe put some money down for doing a quick course on how to be a sourcer. But other than that, you can pretty much start straight away, can't you? Sourcing. Yeah, that's why there's so many people doing it. There are a lot of regs now that people like you to go through. You've got to be registered with the... uh, ombudsman and all that I mean all that stuff that's one of the things that would stress me out dealing with all that stuff regulation and that oh just whatever needs doing just let me know and then I'll do it as quickly as possible and get it out the way (laughs) yeah because it's like it can take days weeks it's the idea of the hold ups and the paperwork and dealing with yeah all that sort of stuff yeah incredibly unnecessary in my opinion it's a drain. Oh, it is. It drains your energy. Yeah. And then architects, we've got written down here. I mean, architects, you de- generally deal with architects a bit more as you go through the journey, I suppose. When you start developing. 
yeah. etc. When you you know turning an office block into apartments or something, you'd need the the quality of a, a good architect there just to uh, to hold your hand through the process, the beginning of the process. And then a lot of them have got good relationships with councils and stuff as well. The planners, yeah, yeah. links in with the planning side of things, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, we're lucky that the uh, HMO teams we've used in the past to develop stuff out have got their own in-house architects and stuff, and it keeps it all in-house, you know, which is uh, useful. Absolutely. Yeah, let's move on to uh, uh, the five three two thing we we do. Yeah. So we spoke about this the other day, didn't we? About like uh, you know, there's like buzzwords and everything. We've mentioned a few of them. Well, there's one. Uh, we won't mention the company you'll probably know if you hear it but they talk about a 70-20-10 which is do a 70% uh, where would you describe it 70% it's basically compartmental can't say the word compartmentalising that's the one your sort of focus around three strategies so obviously the 70% one being your main strategy uh, the 20% being your your second um your second strategy and obviously the 10% being the one that you may be just touching on you're just learning but you want to get involved in down the line in the future mm. so yeah you come out with uh, our own equivalent mm. 532 and this all come about because I I said to a friend here that I used to buy 5 sell 3 and keep 2 buy 5 sell 3 keep 2 and that's what snappy as well mate. yeah 532 so I always ended up with two properties in my portfolio for every five that I acquired, whether I sold that to another investor or whether I did it, uh, bought it, did it up and sold it. Um, it was always that five, three, two. And that was only for the first three or four years. But it, it worked. That, I don't do that now. That's in line with how you started as well, isn't it? With trading, stroke, sourcing, mm. that side of things. Yeah, yeah. Sourcing was probably before sourcing was a thing. That was how we all sort of got into it, really, finding deals for other people. That is a numbers game as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Churning out. Yeah, man. It's very difficult to do that now because the market's so different. Well, there's, there isn't as many opportunities about currently, is there? No. When I got into property... Not for that type of strategy, anyway. Nah. 2012 and 2013, there was no, nowhere near the amount of people that was in it now. But that gives different challenges and different opportunities. It's easier to sell things now, so you can flip into a hot market, you make more money. Then Absolutely. you wouldn't make as much. Right then, let's talk about how you can start now if you haven't got maybe large sums of money to begin with. Mm. How would you suggest? Um, well, there's a few, isn't there? Again, we're going to be speaking about um, famous, if you like, property... Uh, buzzwords. Buzzwords, that's what I was looking for. So the most obvious one being... Rent to rent. Yeah. And coordinate what it is again, all you're doing is subletting. So you're letting a property, you're leasing it maybe on a five, ten year commercial contract, and then you're subletting that out by the room. Very often these type of agreements break uh, mortgage terms and conditions, you know, whatever. Uh, that's up to you to, to mitigate that risk. We're not going to say do or don't do that. Obviously, we'd be naive to put in the public domain to say to break mortgage terms and conditions, but we know that this goes on in the 
in the marketplace, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the mortgages are residential buy-to-let mortgages and don't allow subletting, but there's a lot of commercial mortgages that do. So obviously that's uh, that's risks on your head if you go around with that. Yeah. And we can go into the ins and outs on the modules. Probably not a good idea to do that here, but... I think, again, this, this overlaps with what we've said previously about um, maybe a lease option contract as well with things like this. Yeah. A lease option is merely a lease with the option to buy, to buy it. A rent to rent is similar without the option to buy it. Right, yeah. So rent to rent, is is that all we really want to say about that at this stage? Because we're going to no doubt speak about it more, like mm. you say, in the modules. This is a big... This, obviously, as we've said, these are just overviews. The ba- All we need to know here, all we need to discuss here, that you don't need a lot of money to get into property and start getting cash in the bank from it. Rent to rent is you lease a property of somebody and then you cut the property up, usually, and then rent it for more than what you're paying out. That's as simple as it gets. We can go through the details in the modules that we're going to uh, release. Yeah. Uh, another stream that you could potentially look at going down is uh, sourcing, trading deals. Um, yeah. I know you've got more experience of that than me, mate. Mm-hmm. That's but- how you sort of started out. Well, mine was sort of more buy to lets then advanced into sort of HMOs but you did a lot of sourcing mm. to begin with didn't you if you haven't got access to a lot of capital up front to be putting into deposits and things then um, sourcing deals is a good way to get you know get your feet under the table and really have a and learn as well I was just about to say that yeah you can get your head into what is a deal basically and what isn't mm. and the, the you know the mechanics around it mm. the like figures I- whether it's stacks or not etc etc in your network grows exponentially from that as well. You get to, you find a lot of people in the industry, a lot of investors who who are cash rich, time poor, and you're potentially time rich, cash poor. Uh, so you can sort of work together, and uh, you go out there and find the properties, and these people are the ones that will buy them off you. I, I don't know, actually know the average for sourcing fee. It used to be about two and a half to three and a half thousand pound for a normal buy to let, but that can. That's probably higher than that. I don't generally do residential, as we've said, small stuff anymore, so. Yeah. But you can do, like, if, if you've ever seen yellow boards on the on the uh, public lampposts and everything, like, we buy houses on them and stuff, um, they're not illegal, they're just uh, frowned upon, really. You're not going to go to prison for doing stuff like that, but just good ways to get the phone ringing. Yeah. That sort of leads, not unless we've, uh, we want to touch on anything else there, I just made a note here to say, if you are starting out, it is good to go and obviously find the deals, and obviously if the deals stack, and you do uh, come across somebody that's obviously down on the time, but has got plenty of cash to play with, then that's something, somebody rather you can target, and uh, and, and work with, and you know grow a relationship with, mm. uh, the example that you've just given there. Um, so yeah, that probably then falls nicely into sales and negotiation mm. so your sort of bandit boards as they're called that you were just touching on there getting in front direct to vendor as they uh, Do, uh, as they say yeah. getting in front of uh, motivated uh, sellers basically when you get in front of motivated sellers that's really when your knowledge and expertise come to fruition because with agents they tend to be very categorised in boxes you can't really create certain deal structures unless the seller is quite business minded it's very difficult to create transactions other than a straightforward purchase without finance or cash 
when you're direct to vendor, you can use a bit of sales and, and negotiation techniques in order to create a, a deal that suits both of you. It's more difficult with a, an estate agent or letting agent to do that. Yeah. Well, the art, the art of all negotiation really is um, if you can get the other side of the party to be happy with what you want to happen, that's essentially the art of negotiation. I've seen you do it, actually. Have you? Yeah. Where? It's fascinating, actually. You you basically ask what the selling party wants, mm. and then you take that to the uh, the interested party, and that's it. You put them together, and if there's a deal to be made, it can be done quite it, quite yeah. easily, can't it? There's a lot. Of, you can buy hundred sales and negotiation books, but the, the be-all and end-all is that everybody's a human being, and we're just after... If we find out what both parties are after and we try and create that, there might have to be a bit of wiggle room here and there, but that's as simple as they all get. You don't need to be getting into, you know, mass psychology in order to no. learn out what's going on here. It's just making Simplify sure. It. Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly simple. I, I don't know. I think in theory it is, but until you've had a few experiences of that, I think that could be quite daunting. But that's belief systems again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And experience, mm. obviously. And, well, same as anything. The more times you do something, the more comfortable you become doing it. Exactly. It becomes unconscious, you just do it. Yeah, it just happens. It's yeah. like the questions that come at you are always the same. So it's like, if what you're going in... If, yeah, what if this, what if that? It's like if you're going in for a lease option, for example, which we'll t touch on on the modules again... Uh, which is where basically you lease the property with a view to buying it. I think watch yesterday's or the last episode we did because we spoke a little bit about lease options, yep. didn't we, and what that was. The questions are all the same. What, For example, what if um, you die before the end of the deal because the lease option might run for five years? So they might ask you the question, what if you die? And the, the reply to it, because it just becomes instant, is, well, what would you like to see happen? And then they'd say something like, well, we want to make sure that the deal continues. Or they might say, well, we want to make sure that our house comes we back don't to lose us. Out or, yeah, yeah. So, so, so uh, uh, to satisfy that objection, all we have to say is, well, okay, providing that we can put that in the paperwork, is there any reason why we couldn't move forward today? And there's no, uh, there's no barrier there that can be hit because you've said, okay, no problem, we'll just make sure that that happens. Now, you can protect yourself in the paperwork, but don't let the paperwork stop the deal do the deal and then figure out the paperwork after yeah I think as well you quickly find don't you within these conversations whether both parties do actually want to do, do mm -hmm. the deal don't you fairly well very quickly I would yeah. imagine it's you know within a hundred words if there's a deal going to be done yeah yeah and it it's easy to say at the beginning don't waste your time with people who aren't going to do business with you but Often, just get the first 50 meetings out the way. Realise what you're good at. Realise what you're not good at. Practice in your first 50 deals, which probably won't be deals. You'll probably mess them all up. But you'll learn more in the 50 meetings at the beginning than if you're just going to spend time on the phone or on right move. You'll be better out there in the field learning. Yep, absolutely. I think that's a, it's a fascinating technique, that strategy uh, and I think it's something you can draw a lot of confidence from and you, you can use that moving on to the the other things that we've already spoken about I think a, a lot of this is confidence and good communication skills isn't mm. it um, and you'll definitely get that from doing these types of deals 
And as again, sorry, and again, the reason why we're speaking about this is because this is the sort of thing you can do straight away. Trust is the big is a big one when you you're oh, doing deals. Yeah. If people trust you, um, then they'll sort of do what not what you tell them to do, but they'll they'll work with you. Won't they? Much more receptive. Yeah. yeah. And the the way to build trust is to be you. To, be, uh, be able to pull away from a deal or be able to pull away from a transaction and go, listen, I'm not that bothered if I do this or not, but just ring me, there's my number. And people sort of, I don't know what it is, but the people like that. Mm. It's like, he doesn't need to do this. He's just doing it Yeah, well, to help me. I think it goes back, nobody likes to really be feeling like they're being sold to, do they? Or No, that's the art of selling. And again, that comes back to trust again, doesn't mm. it? Yeah. A deal, actually, um, it isn't going to go ahead, but there was a guy who rang me from eight years ago. He said, I met you in the Village Hotel. This was about, I don't know, three weeks ago or something. He rang me and he said, hello, do you remember me? And I was like, I didn't have a clue. I was like, I'm sorry, pal, no idea. He went, um, I've got a property for sale uh, down Hurst Hill, about a couple of miles away. And he went, um, it's got six mine shafts within 20 metres. Now, the, around this area, the Dudley and Wolverhampton, there's loads of mine shafts all over the place. And I was like, listen, pal, that I ain't going to be able to do nothing for that property unless there's some serious discount because you need to make me want to buy this. I really don't want to buy it. I need you to give me something to make me buy that. And by doing that, the power dynamic shifted from he's got a property that he wanted me to buy to uh, I didn't care if I bought it or not. You have to now sell it to me. Yeah. Because oh, I, yeah. I don't want it. And it come down, he wanted 180 to begin with. He said, I've had a valuation from an agent, 180. I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'm not even gonna offer you something because I'll be insulting. You come back to me with something. And he said 120 to me. Now I'm still not gonna buy it at 120 because I'm looking at 90 grand or something for six mine shafts in the garden. Um, but, you know, that was like a 60 grand. It could have been lying about the 180, but look I at think the discounting that. To add a bit greater context, to why you're having those conversations with him mm. is it worth saying why that's such a big issue which for people that don't realise who don't have mine shafts in their area mortgage wise it's finance mm. so as we said I think in the probably the first property one again it, uh, what drives the real estate market is fi one of them the main one is financing how easy finance is available with mine shafts property within 20 a mine shaft within 20 metres of the boundary the loan to value gets radically reduced on average um, by ev every single lender. So if he's got six, that'll be a, that I probably wouldn't get a 50% loan to value mortgage on that because of the, the mine shafts. I'd argue as well, it, it, you're buying something that won't appreciate in line with mm. other properties in the same area. Well, it wouldn't appreciate because people still, still can't get financing. Still the same, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So it doesn't go up. Yeah. And people are put off by stuff like that. Uh, listen, they've all been capped. They don't really pose any problem. Very few have ever collapsed or anything. But if you hear the word mineshaft in the garden, everyone goes, ah. Yeah, you're almost done for, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's something that we might touch on in the modules, might not, because it's quite advanced, maybe in a later date. You can sell these type of properties on rent-to-boys and instalment vendor finance type agreements where no mortgages are needed and that's when things get a little bit complex but completely doable um, this really is 
um, touching on the trading element of things, isn't it? This mm. and 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 looking at flipping that sort of thing in an auction as well, isn't it? Mm. Mm. That's a fantastic strategy. Right now, perfect as well. Buying stuff that nobody wants to buy, buying it for cheap and just chucking it in the auction room, and you'll get hot investors all over it. Yeah. And I don't see any problem with that. I mean, you, you could say um, there's something immoral about that. But as long as you're upfront and honest about it... Um, well, what's immoral about it? Well, people would say you're selling crap, but it's in it's in the auction pack, isn't it? You know, you can't mm-hmm. not put that in the auction pack, can you? No. Um, and at the end it. of the day, if it's, if it's being sold to a family, for example, mm. still make a fantastic family home. Yeah. A lot of problem properties go into auction rooms, so like anything with structural problems exactly. or... That's sort of what I'm getting at. People mm. say, oh, is it a bit immoral trying to sell something which has got a problem with it? You know, you're in an auction room, you know, there's, generally speaking, there's going to be something wrong, otherwise it would have gone through a normal route. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, what, you, you know, some would argue that some people going into the auction mm. room for the first time might not be aware of that. Business. I don't. I, I don't care. Yeah, is the answer. That's okay. just the brutal reality of of business. Is that you've in the you've watched Times Under the Hammer. Most people would have watched Times Under the Hammer. <laughs> they don't, what they don't show you on there is all the associated fees that are coming with the auction purchase. Usually, uh, there's a at least three or four, five, even more thousand pound on top of what they're showing you on these. Uh, you know the numbers they've run through. They don't show you the sales fees, they don't show you the stamp duty, nothing like that. All they show you is the gross figures and everybody's just like, oh God, they've made 20 grand's profit in a, in a straightforward buy and sell. Doesn't work like that. No. Not at all, not at all. I did one where... There's a few guys, isn't there? Yeah. That literally... That is their model. Yeah, that's all they do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Probably go out and spend, I don't know, a million pound over a, a quarter, for example, and then put them all into the following auction, don't they? That's right. It's a great, if you've got the capital, I think it's a great little strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really is. And there's different auction houses. The ones that, are, you know, there's not many eyes on, you can buy properties in them, chuck them in the big ones and you can make a quick turnaround. Cracking strategy. That's yeah. another way of doing it. Yeah. So I think that pretty much wraps up that, doesn't it? Do you think sales and negotiation is anything else that we want to add just in this introductory video? Not really, I think it's just about being a, a decent human being, really. That's just being honest, yeah. Mm. There we go. It's lacking, very often it's lacking, unfortunately. Uh, I think that's it, mate, unless you've got something else to add. I mean, I've I, I got a couple of things I was going to add at the very end. can okay. say those now. Um, reference some books that sort of align with what we've been speaking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start with... Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. That sort of links in with the sort of personal development mindset part of this video. It's basically targeting that one thing that you've been avoiding for a while and getting that done early on in your day. And if you can do that and achieve that, then your day then, moving forward, will be plain sailing. Nice. Real good, real good book. That I think, it, it, I think most people will take a lot from that. It's not very big either. It's quite small, so it's good to easy to get through. Have you got you got any other examples, mate? Mindset wise, I know you, 
negotiation there's one called never split the difference you know when you say a 10 20 oh let's meet in the middle yeah, yeah. it's like a common yeah yeah the book Stand is never ground. split the difference Stand yeah. your ground sometimes it's a good book just because it's a lot of bits about psychology it's good it's a good book to listen to and there's another one influence um the i think it's the power of persuasion or something like that no influence and persuasion that's what the book's called by Robert Chiardini he's a psychologist that's a good book as well nice mm -hmm. uh, and then so, uh, on the efficiency route um, a classic book I took a lot from this and again I think a, a lot of you will do so also which is 4 Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss um, basically a book about compartmentalising your day and getting more done in a short amount of time basically um, fantastic book um. Yeah. Cool. That's pretty much it, mate. Uh, anything okay, else we want to add? No. If you haven't already registered your interest in Thinking Wealth, go to uh, the link in the description below, thinkingwealth.co.uk/slash/subscribe. Uh, we are still in pre-launch. We're ramping up some of these podcasts. We're going to be releasing one a week at least, including the YouTube videos. We're going to start having conversations with people now as well in, in certain different fields um, and yeah we're starting to pump all the videos onto the hub now so all being well uh, we'll be done by the end of June that's what we're that's what we're targeting that's the plan if yeah. the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise we'll be done by the end of June so that'll be uh, very exciting we've already got a lot of interest If you and also follow us on Instagram and everything because we share a few little tips uh, we did a week, we? the last couple of days. We've shared a couple of cryptocurrency, um, you know, picks. I don't, yeah, picks. They're not suggestions or anything like that. But we've just put a couple of trades that we're putting in, and the one that we shared this morning's done forty percent in two days. Uh, very few real estate properties do anything close to that. Uh, so, well, very few investments do close to that in that well mm. in that space of time it's unheard of isn't it a thousand pound investment you've made 400 quid in 36 hours you can't really uh, you can't really beat that can you mate no no and I think the idea being um, the reason why we want to put we wanted to put that bonus content out there was obviously to prove what, we, what we're saying that we can do for you and to also um, be in a position potentially that you've paid off your Annual, your first annual uh, subscription payment service within the pre-launch period before it even actually officially launches at the end of June mm -hmm. um, you've then got a year's subscription for for nothing that's what we want that was the idea behind that this is this is what it's all about we, we, we want to I like the word I come up with it earlier democratising wealth what do you think about that? nice wealth for the masses yeah. Not in the form of socialism and all that mess, though. Champagne socialism. Not in champagne socialism. We're talking <laughs> real... Anybody can get their hands on substantial money to set yourself up yeah. uh, for future generations because the world is vastly changing. And uh, we hardly know anything in, in the reality of what's always moving. We're, we love to learn and progress and everything, so that's what this is all about. We'll try and be at the forefront of all these movements and keep updating everything that we're putting out because this ain't a short-term thing for us. This is going to be a long-term thing. Ever-evolving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
There we go then, my So, thinkingwealth.co.uk slash subscribe. Check Instagram. Um, check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. And click the bell thing, which notifies you when we release stuff. That would be great. So, you know, when we're releasing uh, videos, very new. Uh, you know, we've got about three subscribers on YouTube. I think we released it about three days ago or something. Yeah. So, any subscription at the moment is fantastic. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks a lot. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.